Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Rugby Rundown. Alex Kubisero, as always, joined by Will Hooley. Will, 10 episodes in the bag. Uh, welcome back, mate. How are we doing? Cheers, mate. Yeah, it's good. Double digits. We're making our way there as we approach the 2024 Major League Rugby season. It's a big show, though, this one coming up. What do we got going there, Corbs? Yeah, lots to talk about on this show. Obviously, we have Scott Lawrence on the show. He has just been announced as the USA Eagles permanent head coach. Thank God. Yeah, Obviously, we, excited to Scott hear from him. Uh, we talk Six Nations. Obviously, I'll get into that as well as I've been busy covering that with NBC. And then we also have some special guests from the Houston Sabercats as well. So a nice, really well-balanced show mate uh, how was your weekend you were in Miami uh, yeah I like how you did the MLR link there because I was in Miami it was all for the Gilbert and Sportable partnership launch with Major League Rugby which you'll see plenty of stuff data coming out of the ball which is really exciting yeah I thought that is kind of cool like for Very fans cool. and also even for for coaches and players, some of the stats I think will be quite fascinating as well. I think so, so yeah, yeah I, I, I'm all for it, mate. It was very exciting in Miami as well, which is always pretty oh, cool. Into worse. Miami as well. Yeah. What a lovely little place. Now, you've also been busy yeah. um, and you got a little new role. As yeah, well, well obviously, yeah, I got a lot of things going, plate spinning <laughs> at the moment, getting a uh, legion ready for the start of the season with the forwards. We talked a bit about that last week. Um, obviously, covering the Six Nations for NBC. We had shows on Peacock and CNBC. That was really very well done. Awesome. It was a cracking weekend of rugby that we'll we'll get into and then yeah also started my new role as world rugby's scrum consultant for the referees so uh basically uh hopefully it's beginning something long term but i'm basically their consultant that i review all the six nation scrums feedback to the referees what decisions were right what was wrong what i think was going on and then host a zoom on a monday night where i present clips to the scrum coaches of the Six Nations and the referees from the weekend, all geared around trying to, you know, police the scrum, make it as tidy as possible. So it's a cornerstone of the game, but not, you know, a hindrance with resets and stuff. And we have a little bit of work to do, but it's really exciting. Obviously, Mike Cron does that for the MLR. He has been doing this role for years. He stepped away. Uh, and luckily, I've been landed the job and yeah, yeah absolutely chuffed with it my man Corb's on the scene the scrums are going to be a safe place across world rugby and let's get into the world news because there's plenty of it so we've got a little bit to catch up on uh, because plenty is going on down in the southern hemisphere australia rugby the wallabies have a new head coach Corb's. yes joe smith has decided to hop across and I guess play against the rivals. As a New Zealand Kiwi, he is going to be head coach of the Wallabies. But Australia rugby is struggling at the moment, buddy. Uh, Melbourne Rebels. Hmm. Taking a little bit of a hit. An administration hit. They have gone into voluntary administration. We uh, don't know everything about it in terms of what Australia might be trying to do to help them. That's Rugby Australia. But not great news out of Super Rugby because Super Rugby is coming up. Plenty going on there with the Super Rugby preseason. Corbs, you know a bunch of those guys. You even coached a few in your time from MLR who've gone over to Super Rugby. That's an exciting time. Yeah, it's exciting to get that comp up and running. Obviously not a great way uh, to start with the Rebels going voluntary administration. I've heard a few rumblings that there could be other things oh, going on okay. over there as well. Okay. So keep your eyes out. Uh, as things develop, but but also, yeah, Joe Schmidt, I think great appointment. Uh, my understanding is that role is he's a like shepherd or guardian for the two years to the Lions tour yeah, with the aim of, of grooming, rugby, yeah. yeah, with grooming then a successor for the World Cup. And obviously with what's gone on with Eddie Jones in recent times and the firing of Dave Rennie, I think it's only good that they get their act together and because it's, yeah, Lions tour is going to be very important. And then a World Cup, you want the home nations to be doing very well in that as well. 
Well, and also just talk about Super Rugby teams in there. The Crusaders were in the British and Irish Isles. They played Munster uh, last weekend, lost to Munster actually, in a 40,000 people crowd. Incredible for that, the game. And now Crusaders go to Bristol and they're going to be playing Bristol, which again is a bit exciting, a bit different, exhibition game like that. Yeah, I think it's really cool. I think the Super teams taking their sort of pre-seasons on the road. I I know the Blues are in Japan as well. I saw some of that speaking to Shiloh Klein as well. Of our players last year he was excited to be going to japan uh for that as well so I, yeah I, th- I think it's only good and yeah i think it's great for the bristol players there's no actual prem on and they get to play against sort of the caliber of crusaders as well for yeah. the players who get out there well. yeah i think they're only going to sell tickets getting to see them and, and lee halfpenny doing the hacker oh, as well yeah. <laughs> I, I think people will just pay for the admission of that just let alone so. I, I did love i think it was matt gitto's tweet was saying a lot of head noise going on probably <laughs> in trying to learn all of that um other news in the southern hemisphere as well though uh, the perth sevens happened usa rugby were involved in that both in the women's and the men The women's managed to get fourth. The men managed only to get a seventh. Now, I know you probably caught a little bit about this. The men still haven't really hit any sort of uh, strides. Well, I think the men showed promise because they actually, day one, were very, very successful. They had the the big guns in. They beat uh, Australia in the group. They actually looked like, you know, they got an uptick from the players they had, lost their quarterfinal, then kind of went on a bit of a spiral. The women as well, I think, finally getting their act together. They got a big win over France, which is what we talked about with Alona Mar and, and people is that they need to start knocking off some of those top teams. They did it, fell short, obviously, and, and didn't Great get Britain. to the finals by GB. Yeah. And then how crazy that Ireland actually uh, go on and... and yeah, and wait, won, the the, won the thing. And, yeah. and, and Australia, the women's team that, you know, looks so good falling in the final, the men and women's teams yeah. falling in the final. You know, that, that's a tough one for the home the home crowd, but an exciting tournament. And, you know, we're building up to that Olympic, Olympic year. So sevens is, is real money. And I think it's not going to be long before we see Antoine Dupont out there as well. And that, that'll be a sell some tickets and get some eyeballs on it for sure. I love it how you put it into European action because we will come to the Six Nations. We'll get Corb's whole stories behind there. But I also want to touch on Rugby Europe Championship that also kicked off because some of those results that came in really sparked some world news there. Portugal after the whole success of the World Cup, got beat by Belgium. The, the giant killers. What the hell? Their own game, you know yeah, what I, I know. mean? And so, yeah, no, it just shows, um, you know, international rugby, what's going on. I, I don't know how it happened. I need to see it. I wonder what the conditions were like. It was a little bit, it was a little bit moist, put it that way, but it was 10-6. It was a tight game, but Belgium, hang on. That's a heck of a win. European rugby um, doing a lot at the moment. And this is a perfect timing to cut off this segment and let's get to it and get the Six Nations review from the main man here, Alex Corpusiero. Yes, the Six Nations is very much underway and it was a big one in France as Ireland went to Marseille and got a very impressive 38-point to 17 win. There were some big moments in that game, none other than Paul Williamson's red card. Corbs was all involved behind the scenes with NBC. Uh, Corbs, that was a big win for the Irish. Well, yeah, it was what a way to kick off the Six Nations with those two teams coming off World Cup, quarterfinal disappointment, two of the best teams in the world. In Marseille, the atmosphere looked oh, incredible. And and I think we were wondering, you know, I, I personally favoured France coming to that, thinking at home and everything. And, mate, Ireland were the better team with the with the red card and without. And and, mm-hmm. and I think I think they just showed the calibre of team, 
I think they're boosted by the continuity of a lot of them playing together in Leinster. So it's a yes. lot more seam, seamless to start international rugby, where a lot of those French people would only have, French players, I mean, would only have maybe two weeks together in there. I think the continuity helped them. But I thought Ireland just were the better team. I thought the way they can move the ball, the way they can stress teams, I thought defensively they were incredible. They won the kicking game as well. That's probably somewhere where Antoine Dupont, I could think it, it could have helped because yeah. France traditionally are a team that kick a lot off nine. If you look at the way Luku and Jalabert play at Bordeaux, they kick a lot more off 10. And so I think Luku struggled to really get that grasp of control. And I thought the way Ireland used James Lowe's boot to take some of the pressure off Crowley as well. Hammer of a boot. W- w- was just fantastic. And I just think they boxed well. They took the chances. France, you know, you thought maybe they were back in it with a little bit of that try, make it a three-point game at half time. Incredible that they were able to fight that back. But I think the red card was too much for them. But I also think Ireland just showed absolute money. Joe McCarthy, to me, to play your second, that was his Six Nations debut. That guy's only 22, got man of the match. I think he's on to big things. Obviously, Crowley, huge shoes to fill. He was a very impressive performance. But I just thought France looked a little flat as well and just didn't have their usual clinicalness. You even look at the opening... For most of the first half, other than that try, they until the last five minutes of the first half, they didn't really have any possession territory. They had that first break right at the beginning. Pinot gets into the 22, but he's tackled in the touch. I feel like France at the World Cup usually make that try, mm-hmm. get the crowd maybe. rolling, and maybe it's a different game. But the, I, I think Ireland's just, Ireland shut them down and, you know, it really puts the tournament in Ireland's favour now. And, you know, France has still got to go to Murrayfield and a few other tough games. To me now, that puts Ireland in the driving seat. Wow, Ireland, to, it's, it's for them to win the Grand Slam, surely now. But anyway, that's for future. Um, England, they went to Italy. Now, mixed, is it fair to say that? I, I thought the second half, they were pretty good, but they got a win in the end, 27 points to 24, five George Ford penalties that helped them get that win in Rome. I think they were okay. I think I think I wasn't sure. I was expecting more. Um, I think you got to give the Italians some credit though. I yeah, they very impressive. To score first their off. tries, very impressive. I, I thought you know fair play to them. They didn't have England. In, England controlled possession territory, had more carries. For a very Borthwick but, style, but couldn't get couldn't break the team down and get the tries. And that's probably the big worry and issue for me. Where I thought Italy, especially in that first half, didn't have much possession, but they converted what they had, and that was the difference. But I also think England did a good job of rolling their sleeves up, taking control. Um, you know, I think it was a missed pen or two that could have made it go more than 10 points. That left it at 10 points, and the try right at the end makes it three no, points. Yeah. But I thought England did enough to show that they're they control the game. But I also think, you know, from someone who wants to see more of those Saints boys uh, play and probably show that attacking side that Saints are showing, um, I thought they were a little bit predictable in that middle of third with their forwards pods. A lot of latches, weren't a load of ball carriers. um, So they were just trying to focus on gain line. We'll contrast that with Ireland that are constantly playing. That was the only thing that worried me, but they did look dangerous out in the wide channel when Freeman made that break to set up Elliot Daly. That that was smooth. Um, and then I also thought like Roots had a great game, carried well. On his, on his debut. Yeah. And, and for me, I think England need a few more carriers in that team. And that's probably the one thing uh, that, that worries me about them. But I, I, I thought get the job done. Now they have Wales at home. Should be a winnable game. We'll, we'll talk about the Wales game with a wild game, to be fair. But but I think getting that one out of the way, it could have been a banana skin and, and hopefully they build as the tournament goes on. Snatch the words out of my mouth. A wild game in Cardiff is an understatement. A 20-point lead by Scotland at halftime was, I thought, not going to be enough. The way the Welsh came back, big shout-out to Rio Dyer on the wing, and I thought... Um, Ion Lloyd, uh, who came on at fly half as well, was sensational. 
They just hang on Scotland though. I, I thought the change at halfback uh, made a huge difference. But yeah, Scotland actually went 27 nil up after like 41 and a half, mil, uh, half minutes in, they scored. Finn Russell makes an offload. Doohan puts a wonder try. Gets a 27 nil and you're like, all right, this game over. This one's over. Finn's and, running it. And, and Finn was on fire. And then all of a sudden Finn disappeared. And Scotland <laughs> went in their shell and Wales really put them under pressure. And, and I think Wales, obviously they got two, uh, their mall started to fire. They were moving the ball out wide more. Their confidence came back. Wainwright had a cracking second half. Tommy Rafael was a, a oh, nightmare exactly. at the breakdown for, for, for Scotland. And, and I think that to me is, you know, were Scotland really good in that first half or did or did Wales just bottle it? Because that is as bad a half as you, I've seen Wales ever play. Like they couldn't- A lot know, of young their, faces. Couldn't tie maybe. their shoelaces, mate. They're missing mm. line outs. Missed opportunities, turnovers, missed kicks, errors, straight out, missing touch. Like, yeah. name what you wanted wrong in that half, and they found a way to bring it back. So does that think that Wales have a lot more in than the Six Nations, or are Scotland maybe not as good as we thought, and they need to get back onto, you know, their P's and Q's and such? TBD, as we'll find out in this next week, and it's a huge game. Uh, it's obviously Wales go to Twickenham, and I think uh, Scotland host France I was gonna, at Murrayfield. That is a, that is going to be unreal. I was going to just get your sort of uh, well knowledge on that and your prediction. Those are some big games. Ireland being at home to Italy on the Sunday, I kind of think that's pretty much self-explanatory there in terms of an Irish win, but. Scotland, France, England, Wales. Do Wales have the confidence to come back and do something at Twickenham? Uh, maybe but I'd like to think the game control of England will probably get that Point one done. Field. I think so. Wales' ill-discipline at times was an issue. England will probably try and kick points, chip ahead. And, and I think England will be a little bit, you know, they'll need to up their game at Twickenham home crowd. A little like Wales had that incredible crowd with the roof shut. Oh, yeah. It always helps. Um, and then, you know, but who knows if Wales team have boosted some confidence where they could have been coming in absolutely spiraling. They now have some wind in their sails and they're playing with no fear. I've been in a young England side at a Six Nations where no one gives you a chance and actually gone on and knocked off a bunch of big teams. And there's something to be said by, you know, not, not knowing what you don't know or not worrying about what you don't know and just getting into it. So my instinct is England win that one, but I still think England need to up their game. And then France, Scotland, man, how do you call that one? Um, for me, I think Scotland. I, I, I do still think Scotland at home. Uh, see, if, Ooh, if they hadn't seen that second great. half, I probably <laughs> would have said yes. If you if you stopped yeah. the game at forty one minutes, but worry for me is France are going to be scathing. Yeah, they, yeah, France have lost three games in the last two and a half years, and two yeah. of those are now in a row. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, so yeah. it's Ireland, two of them in France, Ireland, and then South Africa, yeah, yeah. and then now Ireland again. Yeah. Do they lose again? After that, with they had the red card, I, I think France will probably have it in them to get it done. I, I, if you're asking me if this was the opening game, I'd say Scotland have a chance. But because France just lost, something about me thinks that they're going to come out swinging in that game. But I also feel like Scotland are a dark horse that can beat anyone in the tournament. Their big issue for me has always just been consistency. Can they beat anyone on their day? Yes. Do they win four from five or five from five? Very rarely. No. And, uh, or they do, but very, uh, never really. And so that's the issue for me is the consistency of Scotland. And as we touched on earlier in the show, Scott Lawrence has been named as head coach and general manager of the US men's 15 side. And we'll sit down with him now. 
Scott Lawrence, thank you so much for joining me on the Rugby Rundown and the official appointment as head coach and general manager of the USA men's national team. Uh, it's been something that you've kind of been doing for the last year, so it becomes official. How's the kind of feeling towards uh, being out there in the public? I think it's it's good. Just the work's going to continue, and that's that's the important part. Is you know we built some momentum this year, and that's one thing that's out of our way uh, to to not continue to. So just kind of it was it wasn't much of a difference. Woke up and did the same thing the next day, and we'll continue to do that. And in talk of that, what you've done already, obviously the Eagles have been on tour in the summer, and then. We're in, uh, we're in Spain recently, a success in Spain. Um, when you reflect back on, on that time that you've been involved with the side, how important, how impressive have you been with the boys and just the general build and, and buy into what you're trying to do? Well, I think they, um, if we, we started with a really a leadership group, which was we called FIDO. So if you're familiar with the space program, that's, you know, flight dynamics. And that group was really specifically chosen. Um, we went through a bit of a journey where we went off-site with that smaller group. We pulled in former Eagles, Eagle alumni, and we really shaped the, you know, kind of the direction for where we want to go. And 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 when we talk about an American way, uh, it really was a collaborative thing between coaches and and staff and and players and former Eagles to kind of determine that. So. The buy-in was great, but it really started with an immense buy-in from the FIDO group first, uh, enabling them to lead. Uh, So giving them the tools and actually, uh, you know, investing in them as leaders, not just rugby leaders, but general leaders of men. And then uh, from there, they just took over. I think your American way is, is very uh, obviously uh, relevant and, and you talk in terms of an Operation Mercury. I know you've been very public in how you're calling these space programs. It's now Operation Gemini. Can you give us a little bit of a snapshot how you see this short term? What are you planning as now the official men's head coach and general manager? I think there's three big plays that we want to, to get done this year. The first thing is is that our U20s uh, need to uh, finish top four this year as a, as a goal, looking to win the Junior World Trophy within the next year. I think it's important that our U20s move up to the Junior World Championship and play against the top 12 teams in the world, other 11, uh, each year. Uh, leading in, so that's a that's a that's number one is is to do that. Uh, number two was this idea of growing a national academy. I think the eighteen to uh, twenty one landscape is is a lost uh, is is at times a lost talent area where uh, players are lost in the mix, and so a place to capture that, but do it in a a full time environment and foster players that can be professionals. So really, you know, point two is about growing the base, starting at uh, National Academy, and then hopefully that academy will feed uh, not only the anthem, but really Major League Rugby in general uh, as an accelerator. Uh, And then, you know, the final thing is, is we've got an opportunity to get more time into assembly this year so you know potential of 11 test matches this year 13 weeks together as a usa squad so in order to do that that means that we have to increase the player welfare 
We have to invest in a year-round program that's cooperative and integrated with Major League Rugby. And uh, leagues around the world are are a little bit more arm's length, not just just because they deal with a lot of different national teams. Ours is you know pretty focused. Um, so it's it's really kind of those three things: start with the U20s or get them promotion. Give a place for our U18s to go that leads to a professional that could put them in the best position to be uh, in Eagle. And then finally, at the top end, just build cohesion and start to introduce, continue to introduce competition in new new places in the squad. It's brilliant. It makes me want to come come out of retirement, Scott, and maybe try my hand and try and get back in that US US squad. Let's just talk about um, yeah. a little bit about the anthem because um, I obviously know you've been a little bit part of that in, in the organisation of it. It's new to Major League Rugby this season with USA Rugby and World Rugby partnered. How important is that anthem side going to be? You talk about that national academy setup building towards twenty thirty one. Yeah, what's your take on on just the importance of anthem? I think for this year in particular, it's this idea of having an expanded playing base. We know that um, there was a potential that the American playing base, particularly at the younger ages, would be lost uh, this this season just due to you know contraction of the league. So, so I think you know, in the immediate priority was just to keep that going. I think going forward, when we look at the teams in our space that have jumped ahead of us. In, in our tier, okay, so Portugal, um, uh, Chile, uh, Uruguay, yeah. they have all have a one professional side that brings together the bulk of their players. And cohesion is in time together is such a massive thing for any team, for any team. But when you go to the international level, it becomes a differentiator of performance, uh, especially when we're when we're looking for World Cup qualification. So, when I think of the way this team can operate going forward, uh, we will. You know, you know, one of the charters I've given the the GM and the coaches there is, you know, we want to have um, out of the thirty one Americans that are in that squad right now, we want to see at least ten of them. So one third strike rate as professionals that can start every week in major league rugby by next year and and to have two new eagles uh come out of that program uh that i didn't have on my radar before for this year and that'll just grow over time we will uh never have uh a full say the eagles playing in the major league rugby and then right qualifying that won't happen that's not realistic and it's not healthy for anybody to do that but a core of players uh, in that squad and a core that like you see in Chicago right now, like you see in DC and Utah, right? There's a core of Eagles in those, in those teams certainly helps in cohesion and, and the build towards, towards uh, national team performance. My last kind of question is obviously looking at this year and it's, it's just brilliant what you're, what you're saying. And, and I really believe what you're doing, Scott, is absolutely the right way. You've got a new, it's not really a new, but a new tournament in, in regards of a yearly PNC coming up. That's kind of, I know there's a couple of uh, July test matches. How are you looking at this year in terms of the projection for what you are wanting to achieve in the future? How important is this year for the Eagles? Yeah, it's really a two-year, it's really a two-year plan here because uh qualification for the World Cup is looking more and more like it's going to happen next year in 2025, which is a year ahead of schedule, which means right. that the 
the qualification team needs to be built uh, through this cycle and into the into the next year. And uh, and then that that team will evolve again should they qualify into the next World Cup. But I think this this year is about building a team that's going to be able to compete for the next two years, but looking at a percentage of the squad that is not quite ready, but will project. And that's always your when you think in those cycles, that's always your uh, that's always your balancing act that you have to do. Um, so I think this year with the capping of 14 new Eagles over the course of 2023, we started to introduce competition, new faces, uh, all with a aim of qualification. It's absolutely great. I really, really do appreciate you, Scott, coming on to the Rugby Rundown. And a quick one as well, though, in terms of your coaching group, um, Nick Easter, um, Iramir, are they going to stay around? Yeah, so we'll have Alama and uh, and Nick will will both stay around this year. Blake Bradford, who was a okay, um, yes. uh, scrum coach last year, uh, Blake will be on board, and then um, we'll be using uh, Elvis Savelli as soon as he's done with his U twenty duties uh, to do skill set development. And Alex Ross has just been uh, a massive part of the performance uh, of the team, and uh, really excited to see not only what he's done with the team, but the roots that he's growing and connections inside of our domestic pro competition and seeing some of that replicated at places across the league. So, you know, all of, all of those folks with, with a llama coming into the country arriving next week, uh, we, we've now got an Eagle staff that's, that's on home soil and watching players and working together in one location. And it's, you know, this is, this is the recipe. These are things we need to put in to be successful. Brilliant, Scott. Thank you so much. From a former Eagle to a former Eagle, I wish you all the very best. I'll be watching closely. Scott Lawrence, thank you for coming on The Rundown. Brilliant to have Scott Lawrence on the show, a former coach of mine. And I know, Corbs, you know him well. I, I just think he's absolutely the man for the job. Delighted to finally see it being official. Yeah, I, I think it's a no-brainer for me. We've got our genius at the helm to build a strategic plan to really do something quite special hopefully by 2031 and as long as that guy's got the resources i've got the faith in him to get the job done so great appointment usa slash world rugby which after so the MLR season is fast approaching. In fact, it's just under a month away. So we wanted to make sure here on the Rugby Rundown that we give you some insight into some of the teams around the States. Now, we talked about the Houston Sabercats enough. They made some brilliant signings. So we wanted to get into the den. That is the Sabercats getting two guys on board. One, Christian Dyer, and their new signing, Sam Hill. Well, I'm meant to be here with two people. Hilly's ditched me, my former, well, he was my landlord when I was young, when I was at Exeter <laughs> Chiefs with him. But I am joined by Christian Dyer. Um, where is Sam Hill? <laughs> if I were to put money on it, Sam is at this bodybuilding gym called Alpha Land, um, <laughs> getting his second, third, or fourth pump of the day. 
Oh, you know what? Things have not changed since my days with him at Exeter Chiefs. Um, CD, great to have you on the Rugby Rundown, buddy. And we're doing this little special segment on the Houston Sabercats as we approach the 2024 season. Now, we've talked a fair bit about you guys um, on the Rugby Rundown when it's come to new signings. How are things feeling in pre-season at the moment? You've got a few new faces and uh, equally a lot of guys who have still been there and, and from last year as well. Yeah, so, you know, we have a core group of guys that have been here since year one of kind of this makeover at the Sabercats with Coach Hanukkah Meyer coming in and bringing a plethora of, of Afrikaans-speaking players. Um, but now it feels we're in, we're in the right spot. We've, we've signed some key players in some key positions that I think mm. we were, fell short a bit last year. Um, unfortunately, we lost some, some studs on the team and the likes of Dean Muir and Danny Barrett, Maylon, Dylan Smith. So... Um, those spots are open and, and it's definitely a competitive environment to fill those those shoes. But, you know, everyone arriving, the spirits are high. The culture has been been incredible. Um, and it's a real competitive environment this preseason, which I'm really, really stoked about. So it, it feels like on paper, you know, it's it's looking good for us. Um, but the season's going to tell all. So we're going to put in the I guess oh. the hard yards now, as as you know what preseason Being is. humble, man. You could just say you're going to go and win the whole thing. Now, you know what I love about teams <laughs> preseason is genuinely everyone thinks yeah. this is our year. Now, um, I want to know from last season, obviously got knocked out in that eliminator round against uh, the Seattle Seawolves. What are the lessons that you, you've been part of the Houston Sabercats now for, for a good few years now. Um, what you're trying to build, what were those lessons from last year that you can take forward into this year? Yeah, I think um, I think a, a big identity of our group was our physicality, and, and it did pay off, and, and we did manage to score a lot of points in a lot of games. But there were moments um, in matches that we fell short, I think, because of how predictable our attack was. Right? We we right. came down to San Diego. We had a we had a hell of a first half, and we kind of fell short that second half. You guys pulled away. Same with Seattle at home. Um, and I think that was a big lesson that we're trying to write that that wrong this year is understanding we have a ton of skillful players from numbers one through 23. And we're going to have to, you know, use that to our advantage rather than playing this one dimensional style of the game. Um, and I think our attack this year is going to evolve. Obviously, physicality, pressure and suffocate is going to be our, our bread and butter and our DNA. But things are going to evolve and they're already starting to, to shift in a more expansive and dynamic way of the game which is amazing and then we gave up some some crucial points and new defense coach this year Ryan Nell has, has been incredible right. he finally got his visa so he's finally stateside which is great but um I think our defense was was a little passive in the years past whereas this year it's going to be a lot more aggressive trying to put teams under pressure um trying to force that last pass that teams often make in the MLR and um, it's all going to be about line speed, connection, and, and physicality, like I said. Well, look, we, we, we joke about Sam not being here, but in all fairness, someone like Sam Hill is going to be fantastic for that. He's a big defender, yeah. a playmaker as well in the midfield. Now, you've all everything you say is fantastic, but one thing I know, and of course you know, is that the, the preseason for Major League Rugby teams is quite short. It's quite sharp. Yeah. We are less than a month away. Um, so how have you found that just to get everything going and, and get those new ideas building to make sure you hit the ground running? First game against Utah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, how, how's that building in such a short amount of time? 
Yeah, time's definitely not on our side. And uh, fitness is obviously a key component to any preseason that you're involved with. Doesn't matter of the sport. So obviously getting our, our fitness levels to the to the levels that we need to play, the game plan that we're trying to play. Um, I think at the second point, it's, it's not over coaching and not trying to flood the team with 10 or 15 really, really cool ideas because time's not on our side. So yeah. it's sticking to, I guess, the core concept, the core principles of what we're trying to be about in the way we're trying to play rugby and really, really nail those principles. And then the rest is just play rugby. You know, we've got some skillful players on our team. Let's, let's allow them to, to show off why that they're selected and why they're on the team. Now, talk to me about the goals, though. I mean, are you literally talking in that environment about where you want to be come the end of the season? Absolutely. I think that's the overarching theme is we're here to win it this year, um, which is probably on par with every other team in the MLR's you know, goal. Um, I'm sure every team has that on, on their banner or somewhere in their locker room or, or team meeting room, but our, that's the theme. That's, you know, that's the goal. But I think another thing that we're really trying to establish here in Houston is, is engaging the, the broader community of rugby fans to connect with the youth. Um, I think we're scratching the surface. We have tons of kids out at our games, the rush in the field, post-game, interacting with players. And so as much as it is about us winning the Shield, a big piece of what we're doing is to grow the game in the Houston area and to bring more presence and awareness to the Houston Sabercats. You know, I've seen a few of your guys go down the red carpet recently. I think it was at a sports awards ceremony in Houston. You're not afraid to get out there. A few guys like the limelight limelight a little bit. I think a few guys more than the other guys. (laughs) We will keep names out of this. But yeah, I mean, Houston Sports Awards is obviously a a, a great event. Some of the big talents here in Houston and and to get some Sabercats in, in front of the eyes and in front of the camera and just generate a little more exposure. That was the goal. Now, what I love about you, CD, is you're very much, obviously, one of the main guys on the field, running around, scoring tries, you name it. But you're also very serious about your stuff off the field as well. I know, you know, here I am as a retired player. I know we've had these chats before. (laughs) You know, your goals for this season, I guess, both on and off the field, are you continuing to do some stuff? And we'd love to get you on the rugby rundown, I reckon, for maybe a bit of presenting. Yeah, Yeah, no, no, I'm I'm all for that. Love the idea. Off field goal, there's tons of stuff that I'm I'm doing now with brands. Um, you know, interacting with people outside of the sport's been great. Working with a couple agencies that have really opened my eyes to the opportunities outside of rugby and beyond rugby. So whenever that time comes, like you're in the position now, setting the foundation for success off the field is something that I, I continually think. Um, you know, it's a double-edged sword. You can't obviously put too much time and energy into stuff outside of the sport because that's my life right now and that's what I'm going for. But at the same time, it's it's given myself freedom to explore other interests and passions outside of the game, which I'm a huge proponent of having, whether it's a side job or a side dream or a side hustle outside of your main job. And for me and for you for many years, that was rugby. Because I find that the happier I am and the more I got going on in my life as a whole just makes me a better rugby player. And I appreciate playing rugby that much more. Um, but I'm working with brands. I've got two marathons coming up this year. The big one that I'm, I'm trying to lock down is to push someone with cerebral palsy through a marathon. Wow. So we're going to try to generate, um, you know, as much money as we can to support a cause found the, the foundation I'm going to partner up with. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot going on. That's, that's how I'll end it off. 
Man, that is insane. What a way to finish this little yep. segment on the Sabercats. CD, um, I really appreciate you coming on. Tell Sam here, what are you doing? Stop I know. Stop going to the gym. Um, <laughs> no, buddy, all the best to you and the Houston boys, and I'm sure we'll see you around very soon. Yep. Thanks, Will. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I think those Sabercats, uh, they're going to be good this year, man. You're going to watch Ones out to for watch. them. Ones to watch. Uh, in other news as well, something I wanted to promote on this show. Obviously, San Diego Legion, a team close to my heart, are really proud for their Moving Mountains for Children uh, event that is going on February 14th, 8 a.m. at Snapdragon Stadium. It's obviously Valentine's Day. The San Diego Legion forwards will be pushing a 10-ton San Diego lads. Legion bus. There's a scrum sled attached on the front. It's all for Rady's Children Hospital in San Diego, a charity close to all our hearts, a really good cause Make sure you support if you can. And we also have to touch on the PWR, which is always across TRN+. Plus. Some big results in round 10. Leicester Tigers losing to Gloucester Heartbreed. They remain undefeated. The only undefeated side in the competition. Bristol Bears, a strong win over Exeter Chiefs in a little West Country derby. Saracens, a strong win over Trailfinders in what is a London derby. And then Harlequins getting back to their winning ways with an impressive win over Sale Sharks. And the PWR game of the weekend sees Harlequins taking on league leaders Saracens in a London derby. Still great to have PWR action on TRM+. Plus. And as Corb said, it's going to be Saracens versus Harlequins coming up on the weekend. But on the Rugby Network, we've also got college rugby action because it is the spring season very much upon us. And we have got Arizona taking on Central Washington University. And in Canada, we've also got UBC taking on West Shore Rugby Club. Corbs, you're going to be busy because you're also going to be doing the Six Nations. It's very much a rugby weekend. It's a get your, <laughs> get your comfy clothes on, get on the couch. Tons of rugby to watch across all platforms. Yeah, sport for choice here in America. And yeah, excited to, to rip into another weekend of Six Nations as well. Absolutely. Guys, make sure you go and subscribe. Follow us at Rugby Rundown TRN. We really appreciate it. Hit the like button. Give us a review. We don't mind. Be honest. Hey, look, we appreciate everyone joining and thank you so much. So much for watching we'll see you next week from us goodbye <laughs>